three, two, one. We, we don't have to synchronize it. <laughs> no, it's just fun. You've been recording though, right? Yeah, for like three minutes. And I now guess you I got don't sirens big... in the background. Is that me? Yeah, dude, the BLM protests are starting. They're going to pretend like Trump did win and tear the city down. That's the other thing with the legal challenges. I feel like the legal challenges almost can't succeed because people would lose their fucking minds. The left would go ballistic. If Trump's challenges, his recounts, succeed? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they can succeed either. I think, like, the conspiracy card's in play now. So even if he legitimately won a recount, it'd be chaos. I mean, he might legitimately get one state. Like, is it still looking like Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona and Nevada are all going to go blue? I thought at least two of those were already decided. I mean, what does decided mean, bro? The media is calling this election like they're the arbiter of of the end of it, and they're not. Well, I think he has 273 electoral votes. I mean, maybe. I haven't been following the news the last few days. It's November 11th, 2020. Yeah, we didn't really do an intro, but hello, hello. This is Namir Ozdel, your co-host, along with Leo Gates. How's it going, Leo? Hey, Namir, it's going well. (laughs) Happy November 11th, 2020. Joe Biden is president and the sky is Not yet, blue. not yet. Have you been able to find anything? No, I'm going to pull up CNN. Ooh, the Clinton News Network. What CNN is the most fair and balanced network. Um, so they have called Nevada for Biden, and I guess they're counting Pennsylvania for him. And that's how they get to 273, which they have him at. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, 279. He's at 279. So, yeah, Arizona, I guess, still uncertain. Fox called Arizona, like, on Tuesday night, over a week ago. (laughs) For Trump? No, for for Biden. Oh, really? Yeah. And then Georgia's doing a recount, and North Carolina will probably stay Trump. Is there any hope for Trump? He would have to succeed legally in Pennsylvania. The recount would have to go for him in Georgia, and he would have to win Arizona. I think that's just way too many, way, way too many things happening all at once. He's not going to yeah. get all three. That is, all three is unlikely. I, I feel like his only hope is if there is genuine fraud on like the national level. Even if there was, how likely is it to be exposed? I don't know. He just put his girl Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. Maybe she'll do him a solid. Here's the thing about the left. I should preface with I am a diehard leftist. I voted for Bernie Sanders, and uh, I've been doing that all my life. You consider yourself diehard? Diehard. The diehard. Oh, come on. You're not a diehard leftist? Are you kidding me? Dude, I've got my green SJW hair on right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, back in 2016... Julian Assange exposes Hillary Clinton and the DNC for rigging the election against Bernie, right? Yes. And the mainstream media and the DNC in turn arrest Julian Assange. Okay, well, but also the WikiLeaks thing had just come out, right? Yeah, so they claimed that he revealed names of agents, I think. Okay. But Like CIA uh, agents or FBI agents? Yeah, potentially NSA? undercover guys in the field, but I'm not sure if it was him actually revealing them or whoever made public the documents that weren't redacted. Right. Yeah, there were a shitload of documents. But anyway, you were you were using him getting arrested as a point connected to the Democrats. That they were more upset that 
the collusion was exposed than that there was collusion to begin with. You mean the Democrats, like their collusion, not the Russia hoax, not the collusion they accused Trump of? Right. So you're saying they were more mad that it exposed? Well, of course they were more mad it was exposed than it existed. They knew it existed, But right? it's not, yeah, but not just like the insiders. I'm talking the population as a whole. Oh, like just leftist people. Yeah. And would you count yourself amongst them? Like you weren't so mad that there was collusion? I was very mad. You know, you never shoot the messenger. That's what Assange has been. Right. I know he has some other sketchy charges against him, but, you know, I don't know enough about that. I don't know about anything these days. Like, I feel like all of 2020 was just realizing that all of these basic assumptions of society are wrong and people are being lied to on this mass scale. Mass scale, everybody. That's all fake news. Enormous mass scale. Yeah, it took four years of Trump saying that everything was fake news. Like I told you, I cried when he won. I thought he was horrible. And then after four years, finally I realized a lot of the stuff he's pointing out is just super sketchy stuff in our systems. He's just this crazy guy that came in there, didn't really know what to make of it, and just started telling the news. And now the news is like, yeah, don't listen to him. Like, he's nuts, but... It's still not most people who think the media is is a hoax and a circus but a significant number of people in 2020 woke up to it with the fear-mongering around covid yeah i did watch about eight hours of bloomberg today and most of it was about how the winter is going to be long and dark and we're at record new cases and we just hit like a million this month yeah man we're living in a unique time in history in this pandemic everyone's just dying left and right we can both, you know, verify being in U.S. cities that it's just an absolute plague out here. It is completely empty where I'm located in downtown Chicago. There's nobody around there. You know, people don't go to work. People don't go to school. People don't go to the grocery store. You need to wear a mask in your car, even if you're alone. You need to wear a mask in your house. And if you don't, the mayor will come in and put one on you. <laughs> the mayor of L.A. literally... I think the most fucked up thing from any politician was the mayor of L.A. offering people rewards to snitch on their neighbors for not wearing masks, for not social distancing. I think that's nuts. What do you do? All right, you have a list of people that don't wear masks. Now what do you do? Send your shock troopers in there and strap masks on them? Well, it's just like, no, I mean, it's obviously just a ploy. Like, they're never going to get this stuff enforced by actual force, but it's all about the social pressure. Social pressure rules all. It's the new fascism. Yeah, it's it's really everything. Because, like, people will question... Whenever you make something happen with force, people will always question it. If you make something happen with social pressure, it can just slowly change and they won't question it. I mean, I guess a lot of people have questioned the masks, but we'll see how many people are questioning it in three years. I don't mind the mask, though. I like how I look in it. I look, feel like a ninja. I wear my hood. Um, Do you have a ninja mask? I have a samurai mask with like a Japanese oni demon on it. (laughs) That's a fun one. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be like a big market, I think, like the niche designer masks. Yeah, so I think that's pretty fun. It's like Halloween all the time now. You know, and I think that if a private business, mainly like a grocery store, if they say don't sneeze on fruit because everyone's grabbing it, that makes a lot of sense to me. So you're good with grocery stores mandating it? 
100%. I don't know why they weren't doing it beforehand, honestly. You got a bunch of strangers touching and poking. Because we got to make our immune company. system stronger with exposure to other people's germs. Other people's germs are good for us. I think it depends on the germs at this point. <clears throat> well, our immune systems are going to be weak now, too, because we haven't been trading germs. So having been cautious so much, we won't be able to handle as much. Yeah, that's very true. I think everybody in 2020 is going to be very sick in 2021. We're just sanitizing ourselves all the time. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Well, there not there that whole thing where it kills 99%, but then the 1% it leaves behind becomes like super bacteria, and then eventually... It Hand sanitizer, you mean? Can't get rid of it. Any type of sanitizer. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it never kills all bacteria. I mean, I think that theory in general is is valid for bacteria. I mean, that's certainly why they've become like antibiotic resistant yeah there's like uh like super gonorrhea is out on the streets and if you get it you can't get rid of it (laughs) jesus christ yeah i better not get that because i like in my 20s i took a shitload of antibiotics for acne it's crazy that that's what they prescribe but that is crazy it's really nuts but that's that is like the first line of defense that they usually use uh if you just go to a physician about acne it does often work somewhat but then as soon as you stop the antibiotics the acne just comes roaring back and you're creating these antibiotic resistant bacteria you're becoming like a petri dish basically for bacteria and for acne you're also nuking your gut, gut biome yeah you're time. destroying your hollow biome it's it's a really horrible thing to do that's freaking wild i feel like every pillar of mainstream american culture can be questioned at this point the media medicine our doctors saying to do nonsense like that what's safe what can we trust i think it's really hilarious because i think it's the product of uh, let's call it a hundred years of uncontrolled capitalism <laughs> like seeped its way because of you know lobbyists or whomever into a bunch of public programs into a bunch of like education programs and now we live our lives that way and mainly i'm talking about like the food pyramid You know, a bunch of pro-corn guys convinced everybody that cornflakes were a good idea to eat all the time. (laughs) And then they put it at the bottom of the food pyramid. You're supposed to have six servings a day of, you know, corn or wheat, which is fucking insane. And by a bunch of corn guys, you mean Kellogg, right? That's part of it, yeah. Was it Andrew Kellogg? I don't remember. But yeah, the founder of Kellogg's, Mr. Kellogg. Yeah. You know, was a huge advocate of a only shredded corn diet. I think it's Will Keith Kellogg. He's a Puritan and he didn't want people yeah. to get sexual urges. So he said he was a super face. anti-masturbation, super anti-masturbation, just religious, nut, no scientific evidence convinced people. This was a staple of a diet. Right. And so it was cornflakes, right? That he came out with Kellogg's first thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, you need, he said, you need, consistency or normalcy or some weird term but really he's just trying to reduce libido and then i read at some point he was involved with the uh with circumcision becoming normalized in the u.s too did i make that up i wouldn't be surprised because that's the same basic like puritan fundamental driving it it's they don't want people to masturbate so right if we snip it take away a lot of nerve endings keep everyone under control but I feel like the 60s and 70s were like a trial run of the cat being out of the bag with psychedelics. Like the reason I feel like now 
is the most intense time of change for consciousness and going to be the biggest cultural changes we've ever seen in humanity is largely because we're all able to talk about things that we haven't been able to talk about and things like LSD, mushrooms. Yeah, this stuff like totally exploded in the 60s and 70s, but in a super crass way where people were just didn't know what they were doing. And now there's a second wave where people probably still will take it too far. I'm wondering if a government might actually try and control it again, though, because it seems impossible to contain at this point in the way that Nixon did. I definitely think that, you know, Portland decriminalized last week. D.C. decriminalized last week. Oregon decriminalized everything last week, let alone yeah. psychedelics. Right. Um, and I think that as we've seen with like weed, which is what, five years away from being nationwide? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. That, man. It depends on how much of a fight Mississippi and my friends in the South put up. That's true. But it's inevitable, I think. Yeah, I, I agree that it's inevitable. And cannabis kind of paved the way for a lot of psychedelics too, because it's like the medical validation is what you need first. Show it can help people with some problem. And that's what they're doing for depression with mushrooms or other psychedelics. I did send you an article last week saying, what was it, like 95% more effective? I think it was four times more effective. Four times more effective. Which, I mean, Which isn't is... saying much because SSRIs are a placebo effect with a bunch of shit thrown on top of it. So in general, mushrooms are effective and drugs are not effective. Well, mushrooms, mushrooms are drugs. Like, sorry, plant medicine. Yeah. Well, I don't like that word either. Psychedelic versus, <laughs> I don't know, a suppressant. What would you call it? Why don't you like plant medicine, man? You don't like the earth and nature coming to support us and help humanity? What do you have against it's that? such a hokey term, the, the plant medicine. People like in the ayahuasca circles. I mean, I can't really speak to that, but you know what I mean. You know the type of person. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely the type you're describing. The thing is, though, it was called medicine by the cultures that originated it and understood what it was for millennia, at least centuries. It's only been called drugs for a few decades by Americans. Was it? Yeah, it's thought of in, in Amazonian cultures as medicine, hmm. as a sacrament, as something healing. I mean, if, if you always knew it that way for your whole life, that would make a lot more sense than a drug. Plus, like, drug is such a badly defined word. What's a drug? Anything could be a drug, right? Yeah, anything that's going to cause, right, like a chemical stimulation, which is food, too. So that is, yeah, it's a very poor definition. Right. So, yeah, I think we're living in the most extreme expansion of consciousness in the history of humanity. Um, so 2012 was the end of the Mayan calendar and the return of Quetzalcoatl. And Quetzalcoatl is supposed to bring back a consciousness awakening. Do you think that's what's happening? What's Quetzalcoatl? He's the feathered serpent in Aztec mythology. Mayan mythology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. When I went to Guatemala for <laughs> ayahuasca, I heard a lot about Mayan astrology and the turn of 2012, I think that they said it was like moving into the fifth sun, or I heard from someone else like moving into the sixth sun, but regardless, it's like moving into a new era. But I definitely think they just fucked up and meant to say 2020 instead of 2012. So I think people thought it meant the end of the world and they're all braced for like doomsday. But then I saw this interview with this guy and I don't remember the guy, but he said that he saw it as a spiritual awakening or like a shift in overall consciousness. And that could be what we're seeing. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's inevitable if you make people as self-aware as you're making people. Because like for centuries, people were just isolated in their tribes, you know, in the middle of the fucking woods or the desert or the plains or wherever they lived. And now cross-culturally across all of humanity, we have like an insane amount of information, awareness of each other's lives. And, and yeah, I think especially of practices like the only reason anyone meditates in America, this $1.2 billion industry, the only reason anyone does psychedelics even is this shit coming in from other cultures in the 50s and the 60s, whether it's meditation coming from the East or psychedelics you know, surfacing, becoming known, LSD being discovered, ayahuasca being discovered in South America, Central America. It's just like, I guess it takes some time for the effects to ripple unless there's a pendulum effect like we were very open towards it in the 60s and then they kind of closed down in the 70s and 80s ultra conservative in the 80s and then kind of opened up again in the 90s it seems too out of the bag now to be brought back in i don't even know what a government could do to crack down on it because you've got tons of people just casually doing psychedelics on youtube and psychedelics are legal in a ton of places like it's probably inevitable just at a little bit of a slower pace than weed so I don't know what a government would even do. Yeah. I mean, there are governments, though, that have very strict laws against these things. Right. So, yeah, I mean... Like the Chinese currently, the Russians currently. Right. So, yeah, I'm definitely not arguing it's about to be, you know, Singapore is about to be psychonaut capital of the world. But at least in America and probably for the world in the super long term, you can't unring this bell you can't get the cat back in the bag yeah i agree in the super long term like people know that these things exist now whereas a lot of people didn't even know that they existed in the 50s and 60s yeah well and in the 60s you had just a huge divergence culturally where the older generation thought the young generation were you know just hippies losing their minds and rejected them and then the young generation went too far with the psychedelics thinking it's like the truth and the ultimate answer so you had just a, a culture completely divided whereas now there's a little more nuance hopefully where people aren't just thinking psychedelics are the only answer you need but some people are so i guess like timothy leary was you know really excessive and a lot of people followed him and now it's not as excessive but we'll probably still see some issues I think they might be, man. You think it's as excessive now? I don't think so. No, I think they might be the only thing you need. Um, <laughs> but I do think that like there's a lot of misinformation in the past um, on like the kind of damage that mushrooms or acid would do. What kind of damage do you think they do? Though I don't think they do any damage. I mean, I think they make you think differently. Oh, you think there was misinformation damaging. saying they do damage that they don't actually do? Yeah, they used to say, like, you know, if you take LSD once, you'll hallucinate forever. You'll just have random flashback trips. Yeah, man. I remember being scared of it, actually, because I heard that. I heard, like, yeah. you could just go back into a trip, and I didn't like that idea. It's just total nonsense. I mean, the idea of going back into a trip or, like, having some kind of shift in mood that you never would have had if not for the trip is, like, plausible, but it makes you think something far more extreme and weird than than it really is i would say yeah, yeah i think you get a shift in perspective that's inevitable but right. you know shifts in perspective are gradual and you don't really notice or maybe you do notice them but they don't impact you in a dramatic way i don't think 
Oh, it just depends, man. Like I've had gradual yeah, ones true. and then I've had full ego disillusion where there's a profound change in how I look at like death, for example, since that mm. happened. Yeah, that's a good point. Which makes me even less tolerant of the fucking safety obsessed culture of 2020 that, yeah, we're just obsessed with safety now. Like so few people have died from this virus and the world has reacted as if it's the apocalypse. Yeah, that is curious. I mean, it's people that have died that otherwise might not have died had there been no virus. I mean, some there there are some of those, but there are, you know, I don't know what the number is exactly now, like a quarter million people, 230,000 or something. That number's been shoved down our throats for months and months now, and 94% of that number had comorbidities, two and a half other things on average and excessive mortality is super low. So whether, I mean, it's obviously not a good thing. I'm not a virus denier. I'm not calling it a sham or a hoax. Like it's a real virus and it's had effects on people, but the reaction has been utterly absurd and no one's talking about it, even still, even after the election. I thought after the election, people might be like, all right, all right, we were just kind of messing around. This isn't a big deal. I do agree that it seems real aggressive to be talking about shutting down again. Especially um, considering shutting down in the first place wasn't even a good idea. Didn't the World Health Organization say that? I think they went back and they, they said that the measure or whatever, the countermeasure for the virus should not be worse than the actual virus. Right. And, it, and now we're going on eight months of lockdown, extending it well into 2021, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it's arguably already has been worse if you consider how many people have lost their businesses, lost their livelihoods, like the long-term effects on supply chains and stuff. Well, the market saw hopes of a vaccine and started an aggressive recovery. Dude, the market is being held up by a pair of twigs. That thing's got to come crashing down. Dude, so the market went down pretty significantly in March because of COVID fear. It went down to like 2,400 and then fully recovered. And now yeah. it's 10% above where it was <laughs> before the, the pandemic. Yeah. So like it goes down on concerns of things like travel stocks and airline stocks, stuff like that. Recovers on tech stock optimism. Everyone's indoors using their tech. And now virus news has the travel stuff recovering. But it isn't making the tech stocks correct. So they just both keep going up. It's like, are you going to travel more? Are you going to watch Netflix more? You can have both. <laughs> Well, I thought I thought you were talking about like biotech more. You're talking about more conventional tech stocks. I'm talking like Netflix, Zoom, Amazon, oh. huh? Things that people use more when they stay home. I guess it's just people resigning themselves to being sheeple who stay and do nothing but Netflix in the future. That is 100% the future. No one's ever going to leave. Everyone's going to get super high and watch Netflix all day, and it's going to be dope. Okay, so back to our fundamental disagreement that we always seem to differ on. Why the hell would you put up with that? Why would you want to live in that world? I'm not saying I'm psyched for it. I'm saying it's going to happen. Yeah, but not everyone's going to do it. A lot of people are going to resist the trend and go live a natural lifestyle living off the land somewhere. Well, it's just like what we're talking about with 2020. We value safety, right? Right. More than anything. Well, what's safer than staying inside, not getting your own groceries, not getting your own packages. You have everything delivered. You have all your food delivered. 
You never leave the house. What's safer than that? Anything, dude. Anything by which you're actually living. It's the stupidest definition of safety. If you make your life all about avoiding death and staying safe, then you're just staying safe from experience. You might as well be dead. I totally agree with you, but don't you think that's the direction we're headed? Yeah. How many people willingly would stay in lockdown 11 months in or whatever we're at, eight months in right now? Well, that gets back to the social pressure thing. It's like, it's all about whatever, how everyone else is responding. We're a pack animal. So probably a lot of people wouldn't have been okay with this if you had asked them in March, but they've tolerated it and seeing everyone else conforming, they just go with it. I think a lot of people don't want to open up. About what? Oh, don't want to open up the economy. Don't want to go outside. Yeah, like they never wanted to. And like the virus gave them a reason not to do all these things that they kept putting off. Yeah. And now they're like, yes. I think you're right about that. Because I feel like this, this trend, and we've talked about this before, but this trend was already happening without the virus. Like people yeah. were already isolating themselves with technology and becoming more and more removed. And so the virus just catalyzed all of it. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like DoorDash, you know, didn't exist because of the virus. It's been around for a couple of years. Uber Eats, Instacart, all these things. Did their use just skyrocket recently? Oh, yeah. Well, because nobody leaves anymore. Right. So it's been huge. But they've been around for years. And I think it's just a general trend of people staying in more that the virus is expediting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like the dilemma that always exists in life between doing something challenging and forward leading and doing something easy or comfortable, but not forward leading. Yep. Speaking of which, I'm about to go grab some weed. Oh, okay. I'll join you. Nice. But yeah, like that's always there, I think. Whether it's like working on something or going out, you know, any change of state, any like going out and doing something, there's like, there's a version there. And so, yeah, if you have an excuse to stay in, you will a lot. But I feel like what's pretty essential to the good life is overcoming that. It's doing the hard thing even though you don't feel like doing it, eating healthier, taking risks, whatever it is. And so basically the trend we're describing is people giving in to their biological drive to just maximize value and minimize effort and devolving into creatures who have it all, you know, catered for them basically. You know, I think that also is a very nice segue into socialism. Like why socialism is gaining more and more traction. Oh, really? Yeah, wouldn't you want socialism if your goal was to sit around all day and watch Netflix? <laughs> wouldn't you want everybody to be compensated the same amount for different jobs? You would definitely support universal basic income. So I think we'll see that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I, Yeah, I do think we'll see that. Socialism and communism have always been tarnished by power-hungry leaders. Um, I think the ultimate goal is nobody does any work and then people could focus on art or like production of not necessarily art, but creativity. Yeah, I, I think that's where it's headed as well. But like the way we're getting there, I don't think people are going to be useful creatively if they're just these antisocial blobs that get all their needs met. That's the thing, yeah. Like, all the great writers have lived interesting lives. They've gone, well, maybe not all, but a lot of the great artists, you know, have to live interesting lives and take inspiration from actual experiences. Like, what, yeah. are, you, what are you creating if 
you don't actually, if you're not going out and having experiences. I think creativity comes from itself. Like it's a skill that you cultivate. So the more you create, the more you create your own culture, decide what to do, have adventures, the more you're able to create. And if you're just consuming your culture, not creating anything, you're not just going to wake up one day and be able to create art. I totally agree with you, but I disagree with the part about having to go out and live experiences. Um, that influences art in one way, but being inside is its own experience. You know, if you're socially anxious and, you know, anxiety ridden, then you can make socially anxious, anxiety ridden art that reflects that. Sure. I agree, but I still think it has to come from something. Like, you have to be in an actual creative energy. I mean, there are different brain waves, right? We have alpha brain waves, beta brain waves, uh, delta, gamma. I don't know all the brain waves, but like, if you're watching TV, if you're watching Netflix, you are in a state of passivity. You're just being fed culture. You're consuming culture rather than creating culture. So I don't think you can Netflix and chill your way to making any type of art, even if it's socially anxious art. I think you have to have some experience at least expressing, you know, even if it's not experience out in the world. I don't know though. Who knows, man? Art's mysterious no, thing. No, I agree with you. Um, like my point was more towards the amount of free time that UBI would provide or that automation would provide. Yeah. Would give people the ability to do art. And even though a lot of people would be, you know, socially anxious, I think a lot of art would get made. But I agree that if you're spending most of your time consuming, you're not going to get anything done. And that's a real problem because it's way easier to consume than produce. Right. Fuck. I haven't What's been up? wearing, I haven't been wearing headphones. Do you think that's an issue? Oh, do you think it's picking up my voice? Probably. It probably wouldn't be a huge problem, but I'm going to go get some weed and put the headphones in. All right. From now. I got some dispensary weed the other day. Do you not normally go to dispensaries? I have been getting street weed probably until, yeah, until like just last month. Uh-huh. Because it's only been legal since January. So I've been getting edibles at the dispensary, and then I've had just like a large jar of street weed. Uh-huh. But now that I ran out, I bought a gram at the dispensary because it's way more expensive, but it's so much better. It's so obviously better. Well, they're also they're also making it so strong lately. It's so fucking strong, dude. <laughs> it's crazy. It's because everyone's used to these pens. They're used to just skyrocketing over and over and yeah, over. That's true. I don't like the pens. I'm not a fan of technology in biology. So you're not a fan of the trend that we've been talking about as inevitable <laughs> the last half hour? Yeah, yeah. I'm not either, Obviously, dude. A, I think it sucks. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's just inevitable, but yeah, no, I don't I know. like it. You're not, I know that you're not into like resisting or complaining about things that you can't do anything about. Exactly. I agree with that, but also you can do a lot to define what your life is and how you relate to the world and the trends. Like when I say that I'll probably end up living off the land in Ecuador and not going along with the hive mind of Neuralink or whatever else comes out in the next decade. I mean it, you know, like that's how I intend to live my life. And I feel like that's totally possible. And I think it's going to be worth it, honestly, in, in light of how the human condition's probably about to devolve. Oh, I will take any health chip. Why? Because it could help? Think about it. If they could give you a nano machine that just gives you abs, you don't have to work out ever. You just have abs. <laughs> That's not how this shit works, man. <laughs> Why not? It just burns calories all the time. You just eat as much as you want. It burns calories, regulates your blood sugar. You could eat as much as you want. 
There's no device that just burns calories. Where do you think that matter goes? Not yet. So you're basically of the Elon Musk mind that these things are going to be able to tap dance and make you in shape automatically and basically do anything. Make us read each other's minds. Hey man, the universe is a simulation, so we can change every aspect of it with the right tool. I would agree with that. I mean, people people are always just partial to like their current moment in history. I feel like you always assume you're kind of at the at some sort of pinnacle when we're probably in the dark ages in many ways. Like it was that Joe Rogan bit, you know, where they're saying like if you showed technology from today to someone a few centuries ago, it would be magic, you know, utter magic. So probably there are things that are possible that you could show us and we would think they're magic. And probably they're going to be invented soon because of the, you know, Ray Kurzweil exponential shit. I think at some point that levels off. Like, I think we've seen that in microchips. You don't think the singularity is near? Well, no, like, think... within, within the dimension of any one piece of technology, it's diminishing returns. It levels off. Like, there's only so much data you can store in a space. But then the paradigms change. The technology changes. Like, you, you start using quantum computing at that point. Do you think, ultimately, it's not that exponential growth thing? Yeah, I think ultimately it's not. I think that we've started to peak in a lot of different things. And the only way we can move forward is by just coming up with lateral things. Like phones haven't changed much. TVs have not changed at all. That's how I was able to get two for 300 bucks. <coughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess phones have, haven't fundamentally changed, but they've gotten a lot more powerful. Like an original iPhone couldn't do much. The iPhones yeah. now can do as much as a computer. Yeah. But, but also they're, they've developed way more than we know. Like they're years ahead in terms of development and who knows where it is. Man, coming from tech and like comp sci yeah. and having worked as a consultant where I was at maybe five, six, seven different companies before joining yeah. my current one. Yeah. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. You think it basically just like tech gets a lot of magical thinking hype from people who don't understand it. Yeah, I think people think there's a lot of crazy shit being developed that's, you know, in a government lab somewhere and it's amazing. But if there was, they'd be rushing it to market. No, I think that's where you're wrong. No, I think that's where you're wrong, man, because the governmental agencies aren't necessarily in the business of beating a competitor or rushing a product to market. If you look at like DARPA, you know, if DARPA has some cutting edge project of nanotechnology that can spy on you. They don't necessarily want to make a product immediately. They want to come out with the perfect utilization of that technology. And it might be a decade later. Yeah, I think if there's one, you know, organization, it's one that's making weapons and they got to keep it under proprietary U.S. government. <coughs> I think a lot of things, though. I mean, <coughs> I know engineers at Google and I know engineers at Amazon and I know engineers at Microsoft and no, no, they're no, doing but... isn't very cool. I'm not talking about the tech companies here, though. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking about the fact that we don't know what technology has been developed by governmental agencies. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, I don't think governmental agencies are anywhere near as competent as the best tech companies, and the tech, best tech companies don't have that much cool shit. I don't know, man. Like, they might not be, but it totally depends on the agency. I mean, the post office obviously isn't, but there could be agencies we don't even know about. You know, and like the CIA, who be. knows what the CIA has? Like, and that's also why I mention it in the context of like psychedelics, you know, like with the MK Ultra experiments they did in the, was it the 60s, the 70s? 
60s, yeah. The 60s. 50s. Yeah, so doing mind control experiments on people's trying to control their minds with LSD. They were aware of psychedelics back then. So they were aware of not just LSD, but all the psychedelics. They were aware of spiritual interpretations of psychedelics and people changing their consciousness. Like they could be four decades ahead in research on changes in consciousness and the effects of these things and we don't know it. Like they could have figured out how to actually use these things in combination to, I don't know, go to a particular realm or use some kind of portal or something we can't even fathom. I'm just saying it's possible. We would never know. I do think it's definitely possible, and especially in that field. What's crazy is that they got that from the Nazis. Oh, yeah. The Nazis were doing LSD experiments. Then they brought Nazi scientists over to the U.S. after the war, and they just let them continue whatever they were doing in Germany. Yeah. Weren't they like a ton of the people in that CIA division? I think in (coughs) every division. Like I know NASA was full of Nazis. Oh, shit. It's such a good rocket program. I didn't know that. But like MKUltra was definitely like a German program initially, which is fucking crazy because... Oh, really? MKUltra started in Germany before the war and then migrated to the U.S. after the war? Yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. Wow. Like, the Nazis were way more open to things of like a spiritual nature. Or maybe they were (coughs) just, I don't know, taking moonshots. But they had a bunch of crazy occult side projects going on all the time. They had all these different groups that would go and study, you know, archaeology or psychedelics or just any fringe type of science to try to gain an edge. Yeah. So if that existed then, I didn't even know that, but it supports the point I was trying to make, that if that existed then, God knows what could exist now. Yeah, I agree. They could have made a lot of progress in areas like mind control, things that aren't ethical to study. Right. If you think it's interesting how many of the most insightful studies have been the least ethical, like the Milgram experiments are so often cited and they're so instructive and we we learned something really fundamental based on them (coughs) and you could never do them today. The Milgram experiments are shocking the patient thinking they have a heart condition. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know if you think they have a heart condition, but you hear them on the other end responding to your shock. That's and it, like yeah. agonizing in pain and you are told by the guy in the lab coat just keep doing it keep doing it anyway mm-hmm. so the experiment basically is just to gauge how willing people are to respond to and obey authority and a shocking number of people do it basically way more people than you would think like an easy majority a clear majority uh shock people all the way to the top all the way to levels that would kill someone just because they're told to and it's part of experiment and seems official and there's authority involved. Do you know at what year these experiments were conducted? I think it was the 60s or 70s. I can just look it up. Yeah, um, I feel like these were used as justification during the Nuremberg trials. It was... The experiments happened in 1961. Okay. What was the Nuremberg trials? The Nazis again. Oh, <laughs> You're obsessed with Nazi history. It just all goes back to it. Every time you talk about sketchy shit in the 50s and 60s. It's all fallout or effects of Nazism. It's all fallout from the war, yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, how could these people possibly... Oh, so this was where we, this was where we, like, sentenced the Nazis that were captured, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, but this was in 46, so it's not the same Mm -hmm. time frame as the Milgram experiments. Maybe, Maybe retroactively. 
what was the Milgram, what's well, the argument the Milgram experiment as a justification for how they could do awful things ah yeah well i mean i think it is that it's, justification it's a valid one yeah, yeah i think that makes sense because the experiment definitely seems to be valid but what i was saying originally is that it's it's really interesting that that experiment was so instructive mm-hmm. i mean I guess, I guess you could say the same thing about history history is so instructive but obviously unethical in obvious ways that today you could never do that experiment and a lot of the most insightful research seems to be that way what do you think that is man that's a deep question I feel like we find some insight, get scared, and then shift the ethic pole over. (laughs) I mean, there is an element of that in terms of tightening our moral standards. Like, that's been a persistent trend, seemingly, through all of recorded history. Well, I think it's like you're running the experiment. You don't realize the kind of power it has until you get your results. Right, and there's lag in getting the results. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But, I mean, you have to talk about ethical relativism if you're going to talk about that. But, yeah, I agree with you that there's been a clear shift in terms of more strictness about what is and isn't okay, more recognition of violence being wrong, things like that. And, yeah, experiments, I guess, being the next level in, you know, even subtler than violence. Like, certain experiments being unethical isn't last 50 years probably understanding it it's not it hasn't been a long time that we've been thinking that way you know what's absurd is that in hong kong right now they have a bunch of laws against being unpatriotic (laughs) that's pretty much what trump wants to implement which is just an insane degree of i don't know government control yeah no it is insane and actually i don't think trump does want to do that i think if you had a law against being unpatriotic you could definitely stop all that kneeling at nfl games and trump was definitely against that yeah but the u.s could never have that law no it's literally built on being unpatriotic right (laughs) exactly a horrible turnaround yeah man i don't know could the u.s just be a failed experiment we really could be seeing the collapse the next few decades i mean we haven't been around that long it's not unfeasible for a an empire or whatever you'd call it to collapse after 300 years and it's already shrunk if you think of it that way like peak u.s power is probably the 70s maybe 80s why not just immediately post world war ii yeah so like 50s yeah that's when the u.s has the most amount of territory right and now it's less than that yeah i mean yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I would really use territory as an important measurement in particular. Yeah, I'm thinking of it in terms of like empire size. Right. But I think kinda... like you can define empire so many different ways. I mean, I think I a big reason that the U.S. will be thought of as an empire is because of the inevitable effect it's had on media throughout the entire world. Media originating here and media becoming such a huge part of people's everyday life, you know, back to the thing about consuming rather than creating culture. Like we're monoculturing, or at least it's on the path to monoculturing the world. Yeah, it's cultural imperialism. Right, but it's also not like, imperialism is, is a word with obvious negative connotations and it's important to get that there's not necessarily a single huge malicious intent here. It's just no, a result. Is. 
Well, it's, it's, I'm, it's I'm a just will saying to that dominate. Yeah. Okay. But I'm saying that it is just a function of our media being so widespread. No, I think it's like an inherent mechanism of capitalism. Okay, so you're talking systemically about capitalism, not the yeah, people. Yeah, like you're creating products and you're trying to find markets for these products and eventually the entire world is going to be a market for your product. And Right. Yeah, and then eventually it has to collapse because how much money is the world worth? Eventually it has to collapse. But I think like in general, cultural imperialism or whatever you want to call it, I mean, it's very valid, like outside of media, like fashion or food or yeah, just different ways that we U.S. the entire world. Yeah. I mean, you could question whether we'll succeed, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't Plus, think we I will. Mean, we, we, we might be collapsing. I mean, we but what I'm saying is that we will have a big effect that's felt for decades and decades to come. Yeah, I totally agree. I honestly kind of do think it's it's going to fall apart. I didn't think that a few years ago, a year ago, I was like, it started kind of dawning on me. And I feel like the pandemic definitely put it over the edge. And just like the, with the disputing the election stuff, like there are many people who will never accept that Trump lost this election and or many people who will question the integrity of every election coming up. So like the distrust acceleration is rampant. I think that's the bigger part of it, yeah. The throwing everything into delegitimacy or... Because, you know, we used to think of our government as being the most stable. Like coups and stuff happen in Zimbabwe. They don't happen in the U.S. Right, right. Now they happen in the U.S. <laughs> Are you calling this election a coup? Um, I'm saying that it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think that people believe it is. And that's... Yeah. It doesn't matter if it is or not. I don't Perception think becomes reality. I mean, perception right. is reality for all the people creating the culture, and culture is upstream of politics. Yep. So, so yeah, yeah, that's I a think... problem, man. Like, it, there's guaranteed deep conflict for the next decade, and it's probably only going to get worse. I think we're probably past the peak of U.S. power. Right. I mean, I'm not talking so much about U.S. power as if the nation could fall apart. Like, you know, it's the same thing. Well, it's, it's the same thing, but to a great degree. Like, yeah. talking about it not leading in GDP might fall within the power discussion, but not with this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, we could. Mississippi could secede. Mississippi? Yeah. Actually? They said a thing today. I am not on the news cycles. I, that's why I have to talk to you. There was a thing today. Mississippi Republican calls for a state to secede from the union after a Biden victory. I don't know if that's the House or the Senate or, or who said it. <laughs> so I think these discussions are on the table now, which is fucking crazy. Well, they already were with California. That's true. If Trump had been reelected in like a landslide reelection. Oh, yeah. I definitely think California would have gone. California, Oregon, Seattle. <clears throat> Maybe New York. Yeah. New York. Man, it's intense here. It's intense here. The thing outside of Erwan was crazy. I told you about that, right? Yeah, that is weird. It's weird, man. Like, I don't know. There, there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> stuff going on with that. Racism? And it's just, in general, like, 
racism is bad, but victim mentality is also bad. And you can't just be that way all the time and say, like, the fight is never over. Like, you have to, at some point, say, this will solve it. Even if it actually doesn't, you just have to pretend it does. Right. I mean, yeah, that's why I think there probably should be reparations at some point. Yeah, probably. I think there should be. But then they should end it. They should close the book on it. Yeah. I think you do that and you make it big and you, well, you acknowledge that you never fully close the book on anything because, you know, our histories always ripple into the future, but you have to at least symbolically like go through the motion of doing so. Yeah, I agree. Because I don't know, the way it's, the rhetoric now is pretty bleak. Well, the problem is like, there's no measure of victimhood and oppression and privilege. You know, they're, they're ideas and abstractions and they point to something real, but you can't measure it. So yeah, your point exactly. When is it over? Yeah. And I don't know, it seems like people want conflict. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think people are just deeply anxious uh, today and are looking for outlets oftentimes. They're addicted to emotional cycles and almost looking for conflict. Yeah, it's very true. Also, everybody is the main character now. In what? In whatever story they're broadcasting, because social media has made them all celebrities with an audience. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, more like addicts. I feel bad for kids just addicted to these devices. It's getting worse and worse. Dude, they all vlog, though. Right, but eventually... Yeah, it's like the uh, the Black Mirror stuff is just too apt. It's like you get to a point where you have 10 Uber fans, and that plus your universal basic income sustains you, and you're a content creator. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're headed. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree that we're headed toward almost everyone being a content creator. Does that change the dynamic of who wins? What do you mean by winning? Getting to the top. I mean, there's a lot of bureaucracy and industry kind of positioned to control the top of music and of podcasting even, but less so podcasting. You know, TV, like it's it's in the hands of a few select networks, which are all apparently owned by the same like six families or companies or something <laughs> i think i'm getting what you're getting at but i disagree yeah i think we're headed towards a democratization of media we kind of have been going that way for a while right so no disagreement i'm just saying will that shift change the dynamics of who gets to the top like what it means to get to the top like is it just being outrageous for example like is it just going to be that the people who are the most outrageous and ridiculous get the most attention probably I mean, in general, it seems like nobody will get that much attention because there's a million different places to put your attention. It's like when there was only three TV stations, like Friends would get 100 million people watching it. Right. And now like the best show gets like 10 million and then Netflix renews it for five years. Netflix has had some better. I mean, Netflix has crushed it with some shows. You got like 40 or 50 million views. Oh, wow. Yeah. Except that guy is a creep. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that I, I kind of regretted watching that show after I watched it. I only watched the first season. Mm. No, I never watched it. There's a huge scandal on one of the guys, though. Oh, what about? He had like a, he had like a whole Me Too scandal. Late oh, last year. He, got, he got Me Too'd? Yeah. Late last year. Was that like, when was the peak of Me Too? Probably early last year. Hmm. It was happening in 2018, even. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, 2018 or 19, probably. Remember they decided that Bill Cosby was done with 
they were done listening to Bill Cosby. <laughs> that guy was fucking crazy, man. Yeah, that was one horny dude. Apparently, he would have staff come in and watch him eat. He would invite a bunch of staff over, and then he'd eat a sandwich, and he wanted an audience to do it. <laughs> Jeez. Isn't that... He, was, yeah, he must so. have been just like a 24-7 narcissism trip. Yeah, for sure. That was just one guy. Now it's going to be everybody with their 10 fans. Hopefully not everyone becomes Bill Cosby, Jesus. <laughs> that's why we have to separate and socially distance, I guess. Yeah, that's true. We'll be soy boy beta cucks in the future. <laughs> Nobody will interact. Nobody Speak will have for yourself, sense. Mr. OnlyFans. Dude, humans Are you on OnlyFans? Be... Am I on Only? Of course I'm on OnlyFans. Watch my videos. No, no, are you not producing? Do you watch OnlyFans? <laughs> do you subscribe to people on OnlyFans? No. Yeah. I would never do that. It's it's rise is definitely startling. Yeah, I mean it's troubling. Like you see a lot on Tinder when you're going through Tinder, a lot of like, hey, subscribe to my OnlyFans. Oh, I bet, yeah. Tinder's like now just advertising for that. Yeah, that is a problem. Advertisers seep into everything, man. Totally. Absolutely. And then you like get an ad blocker, but then they like embed it into the article and they like pay for the article. They always get around whatever. It's like a never ending battle. Yeah, yeah. The internet is just a huge pile of shit stacking it's higher. Plagued. It's all just because now Black Friday is coming up too, and you see what really moves the earth, and it's all just product consumerism. <sighs> Hence your beta cucks theory. No, my Betacux theory is just on lack of social interaction. Oh, just that's making... But that's just being awkward. That's a little bit different, right? Yeah, but, you know, not going outside, not getting exercise, not doing team sports because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff that <laughs> keeps people healthy, actually. Yeah. Especially guys, maybe, you could argue. Sunlight and physical activity. Yeah, is banned or trying to be banned. I, I still just have faith that a sizable amount of people are just not going to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, athletes seem to be getting better all the time. I don't know how that keeps happening. You know, they keep breaking records. I think that might be technology, though. Really good shoes and gloves. Wait, whoa. Where'd you get... What was the segue to that? Because, like, I'm saying that the majority of people will just become, you know, weaker and stay indoors all the time. Oh, it's, like, not yeah. true on a... Oh, no, it's like there's a stratification. Like, the larger yeah. trend is people becoming weaker, but there's all the opportunity for someone to go against the grain and become stronger. But those people are becoming historically stronger than ever, you know? Like, sports records get broken all the time. Yeah, no, that's interesting, actually. Because in some sense, I feel like people today are just fundamentally weaker than people in the past. Maybe that's just psychologically, though, not physically. No, I, that's the thing that's true physically, if you take the average person. But not an elite athlete that knows right. about, like, diet. But elite athletes are still inferior to, you know, our ancient ancestors in, in physical feats. No, they're probably better than the average hunter-gatherer. Like, a Hussein Bolt is faster than a hunter-gatherer. I don't know. I mean, I guess my point was just that as are the needs for... In the, on the evolutionary scale, as our needs physically have gotten reduced, or as the stuff we have to do physically has gotten reduced, we've gotten weaker, or we've been, been able to be weaker. That's true. And I feel like some degree of that applies even to pro athletes, right? On the evolutionary scale. But 
Also, evolution's happening pretty fast. Like the disevolution of the mouth shrinking is happening just over a few centuries. Yeah, it's curious because that's only been like 200 years. Could it be that evolution that progresses takes millions of years, but disevolution happens super fast? Seems like it. I don't even know if it's, you know, disevolution is the right word because evolution is so not, you know, it's random. It's not guided towards improvement. Yeah. I mean, so like what I mean. So like that's a form of evolution. It's just like, oh, you don't need jaw muscle anymore. So let's just reallocate that energy to something else. But it's just a negative form because it's, you know, not doing us. Yeah, it's a negative form and it's paired with a lot of other negative forms like our changing attention span and kids getting calcium deposits here because they're cranking their necks forward, people hunching. Oh, shit. That is... You got me thinking about my posture. (laughs) It's pretty hard to maintain good posture all day. It's it's so unconscious. Chairs are also not very natural or good. No, they're pretty bad. Yeah, usually have a little standing desk set up. So most of my work day, I'm upright. Yeah, I have a standing desk as well. I was thinking about not, I was thinking about trying to like sit and eat cross-legged, but I think that might be taking it too far. Yeah, that might just be tiring on the knees after a while. I did uh, my first hot yoga class since March on Friday. Oh, nice. It was really hard. Hmm. Is it It just because you've been out of practice? I mean, a lot of things. I was trying to do only nose breathing. Um, oh, shit. It, through the whole yoga practice? That's hard. Through the whole yoga practice. And yeah, it was that's super, super hot hard. in there. It was like 195, and it was pitch black. Wait, just what? candles. Oh, no, it was 95. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 95. That's like almost no, boiling. No, my heart rate was 195. Oh, okay, okay. I wear my watch, and uh, I hit 195, which is super that's, high. Uh, that's very high, yeah. That's good, though. It's good to be able to get your heart rate high. So, well, I don't think you're supposed to be there for a long time. So I sat down in in child's pose till I relaxed. Um, Yeah. Dude, that sounds stressful just hearing about that. I hate hot yoga for that very reason. It feels so clammy. It does feel pretty clammy, yeah. You Do you Uh, prefer it to regular yoga? Yeah, I love it. I think it's way better. Um, Why why is it better? Just you can stretch more deeply? No, I think I don't really care about that. Because that just seems dangerous. Because when you cool down, you can't do that stretch. And you're exactly. Yeah. Full. Right. Um, but like the actual act of being in the heat has its own, you know, purifying effect on your body. I buy that. Yeah. I loved doing the couple of temescals I did in Guatemala, the sweat lodges. Yeah. See, so it's like that or like a hot bath or like a hot tub. If you can take a cold shower right after too, that's Ooh, that, perfect. I can't do that. You could. I don't like it. But you're so hot. Wouldn't it feel good? It'd probably feel good, but I don't know if it's, uh, you know, super good for you to go extreme to extreme. Yeah, that might be true. I think you have to do a gradual. That might be true. So, I don't know. It's not what Wim Hof would say. Yeah, but... It's all in your mind. It's all in the mind. Well, everything's in the mind because, I don't know, quantum mechanics, all this shit. Of course it's all in the mind. It's all fake. It's all the same under a super powerful microscope, right? Yeah. I mean, whether it's a physical microscope or a cosmological microscope. It all just breaks down as zeros and ones. 
You're really big into the simulation angle. You're just like Elon's um, fanboy. I mean, I have like a comp side background, so it makes a lot of sense to me to think of things in terms of hardware and software. Okay. So that's how I think of like the mind and body too. Are you an AI? I mean, I'm not artificial. I'm a OI, an organic intelligence. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like you have a bunch of hardware and you have whatever is running it, software, which makes, you know, psychedelics like a refactor. Like a what? Um, you know, like if your operating system's fucked up and you want to reinstall it, it's a psychedelic. It's a big trip of mushrooms. So I think they can cure anything that's you are, related to the mind. I'm a lot more into mushrooms than you are, unless you've been, uh, you have updates on that. No, I've done them twice this year, but I don't know. When was the last time? Probably March. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. Yeah, I don't think that during the pandemic is actually the best time. Why? Because there's a lot of intense stuff going on and psychedelics open you up. So you're going to be like, it's just a little more overwhelming than usual. I'm talking like harder psychedelics, you know, like ayahuasca, mm-hmm. but even mushrooms as well. I think um, I was on edibles during the rioting. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And that was a bad idea. Not because I was particularly freaked out, but because if somebody had like broken into my door, you know, I would just be too fucked up to do anything. <laughs> I think like the media really misrepresents hallucination as something very, very visual. Well, that's because the only apparatus through which they're saying their message of what they think hallucination is, is visual. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that's why you can't do like a trip simulation that truly captures an experience on psychedelics, you know? You can't really mm-hmm. preview that. Did I tell you about the video I watched of the guy who, who said that he found Jesus after like meditating for a long time and realized all he had to do was be a Christian? Was it Leo Gura? No, this was some other kid. I felt pretty bad for this kid. It was on this, uh, this psychedelic guy's channel and he interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And this kid was like, I don't know, he just seemed to have really stumbled off the path. That's, that's another thing about seekers and meditators and people who walk a spiritual path is they often have like a lot of issues. Like you see a lot of wounded people in these circles. Well, I think I told you about that guy I know, right? That had a um, ayahuasca trip and he told me that Jesus Christ came to him and now he's a devout Catholic. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. So that's kind of wild. Why do you think that is? I mean, something in his mind, clearly, but his mind and the world are intimately intertwined with each other. So that was kind of my point. Why does Jesus Christ use psychedelics as an avenue to reach people and then condemn them so openly to his followers? How do you know he used them? Well, because he appeared in this guy's trip. No, no, I'm saying Jesus, the divine <coughs> entity. Oh, 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 I see. Well, is does, accepting does Jesus psychedelics condemn as a valid conduit? Does Jesus condemn them? Doesn't he? You know, like the Mike Pence crowd would say no drugs at they all. They do say no substances, yeah. Not looking forward to this vaccine either. I'm not getting it. Oh, yeah, I'm not getting a vaccine. Everybody else can get it, and, <coughs> you know, it'll be fine. Because 
don't know how many 60% got to get it for it to be herd immunity. Oh, I didn't even know that. I just don't really want to take a vaccine that was rushed, developed in just a few months, and we haven't seen anything longitudinal. I don't understand how they can claim that antibodies fade and then also claim they have an effective vaccine. It's just going to be like, they're probably going to say they don't know if they fade or not when the vaccine is released, but then after a few months say, yeah, they do fade and it needs to be a quarterly vaccine. And then the new norm becomes getting a vaccine every three months. And then if you don't get it, you have like a little card and you can't go into the store or whatever. Right, or travel. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be weird. Because once that gets normalized, then what's next to get normalized? At that point, you're screwed. Like, like the well, it's out of your records hands. Around. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, no, they're going to want to put the medical records in your wrists. That's true. Man, I forget who I was talking to the other day. I was out um, having a drink with some friends. And... One of them mentioned offhand, you know, this vaccine, because it was the day that the news broke. Yeah. And then one of them was like, yeah, I would love to have a government chip. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, they already track us from our phone. So what's the difference? You know, (laughs) if if I don't get COVID, then whatever, it's fine. They could track me. Yeah. So that's just someone who's willing to go with society no matter where it takes us. And I think most people on the are. other extreme is just like uh, an outlaw who like hates society, but everyone, yeah, most people are pretty much just going to go with society in the end, but everyone I think should have a line. I definitely do have a line. I think we're headed in a wild direction. I completely agree. Anything more specific than that? Well, I mean, basically brave new world. Huxley took acid that one time and just figured it all out. He figured out what the future was going to be when he took acid and then wrote it as a fictional book. Oh, okay. I gotcha. But yeah, like a big part of that is like poor people don't ever go on vacation. They just take these psychedelic drugs for extended periods of time. Uh And they do that all the time, which I definitely think is a thing. But I don't know. He didn't really foresee automation in the same way. What's like the main theme of Brave New World? I've heard that book mentioned a ton. It's dystopian, but it's dystopian through comfort. Like you're willing to give up all your rights for safety, essentially. Everybody doesn't, like nobody knows they're in a dystopia. They all just chill and they have sex with each other all the time. And the government controls every aspect of their lives. But they're like perfectly comfortable and happy with it. And then one guy comes from the outside and then like throws a wrench into the whole thing. Nice. Well, society inevitably crushes them in the end, as it tends to in these types of books. Not so nice. Yeah, so that's definitely analogous to 2020. Mm. (coughs) But any predictions for 2021? 2021. Joe Biden... Is going to become president. Ray Ban <laughs> sales are going to go through the roof. You think he's um, going to make it to January? Oh hell yeah, Joe <laughs> Biden. Four years of. You're really stoked on your guy. You know you gotta be at this point. You might as well be. 
No, man. Fraud. Fraud, fraud, fraud. Stop the steal. Hashtag stop the steal. He keeps tweeting that he won. He keeps (laughs) tweeting, all caps, I won big time. (coughs) He's literally insane on Twitter. (laughs) He's literally insane in real life. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. But what insanity did is revealed a lot of previously covered up holes and corruption and bullshit and fuckery in our systems and media. But that's not what the we're systems getting. of information are monopolistic and controlled by concentrations of, of power that manipulate the narrative. And uh, yeah, there are a ton of people. There's just a ton of inherent distrust now in our systems. I think that making the choice of Joe Biden or what have you, it's embracing like status quo, business as usual politics. Yes, I agree. It's like Trump was too much. Let's tone it down. Yeah, but my point is that what you're calling too much has to happen eventually. So we're really just kicking the can down the road. Like the cat's out of the bag in terms of not being able to trust different sources of information. Or... Did people see the other side, decide it was too much, and uh, go back to like a ignorance is bliss mentality? Well, a lot of people did. The majority did. But also a ton of people in 2020 realized that, you know, there's a ton of corruption in all these organizations, whether it's CIA or WHO or whatever it is, and they're not going to forget that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if they will or not. And I think, I kind of think they will. Well, I mean, look at the fact that we're talking about it now on a podcast. It's, yeah. it's being talked about, so it exists in the ether in some sense forever. Yeah, and there's always going to be like a fringe discussion, but you need the majority or at least a very vocal minority to be into it for it to affect actual change. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So basically the... It's the, the dilemma is ignorance, bliss versus like seeing through the veil. So if that's the dilemma, then all you need is something that lifts the veil very effectively for masses of people all at one time. And that throws a wrench in the system. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the doubt that's being planted about the election and fraud is step one in that agenda, basically. So do you think that when Joe Biden is ultimately reelected in 2024, that we'll have the no, same no way, sort man. of calls you, of Joe voter Biden fraud? 2024? You're talking. You mean Kamala, right? No, I mean Joe Machine Gun Biden. I just coined that nickname. Joe Biden, at 82, will not be running for, much less be elected president in 2024. It's going to be Joe Kamala. Biden 2023 is going to get the hot new neural link implanted. <laughs> his speech impediment's gonna be gone he's gonna be high energy he's what gonna if get a orange joe spray and tan. kamala what if joe and kamala are the first people to experiment with Neuralink? they're the first subjects that then elon musk could be running the united they can states be of, they can be of one mind and then joe can be like wow i see now kamala's great wisdom she must be president i think that if they both had one mind then joe would be the ultimate politician because he'd have the perspectives of old white guys Black women, South Asian women, you know, minorities. He's got all the perspectives. (laughs) Why does Kamala account for three of the four perspectives you listed? Because she plays them all up whenever it's convenient. 
Damn, man. It's pretty messed up. You voted for her. I did vote for her. I'm excited. I think we're headed towards a bright, inclusive future. <laughs> if we can't be inclusive, then what's this all been about? You should have man? at least gone for Joe Jorgensen. I feel like that was no. Nah. No. Nah. I want Machine Gun Biden. So now you're just building him up in your head to convince yourself it's okay? There's yeah, not, I think there's he's not gonna a, be... a dying man who knows okay. if he's even alive. <laughs> what if Joe Biden gets a crazy orange spray tan and dyes his hair? And by like 2023, he's just full on Trump. He's tweeting crazy shit. <laughs> just, that's what the office does to you now. Just the pressure on him to be more youthful and energetic. Has really Trump done a him. ton of plastic surgery? Because if you look at Obama's, if you look at Obama's eight years, he aged quite a bit. Like you see, you see gray hairs by the end of it. Trump doesn't look well, that Trump, different. Trump was old to get into the office. You know, I don't buy the whole like, oh, look at how stressed out this guy was. Look at how much he aged. It's an eight-year photo before and after. Anyone's gonna look like that. Mm. Nah, not necessarily anyone. There are, definitely, there are definitely 48-year-olds who look like 32. Is Keanu Reeves, how old is he? Uh, he's in his mid-50s, I think. Damn. John Wick. Guy's a killer. You think The Matrix is the most influential movie? No. I think it's a cool movie. What's the most influential movie? I think it gets... Of all time? Passion of the yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's pandemic, man. Um, an inconvenient truth, for sure, is up there. Super size me. Super size me. You know, he had another movie that had like one percent the fanfare. Well, apparently he was an alcoholic during all of Super Size Me. Jeez. Which throws all of his data into the sewer, you know? Totally. It doesn't throw his data into the sewer for imitating America, though. I think that we are the second most obese nation on Earth. I thought we were the most. Mexico's the most, because their food is delicious. They aren't actually the most, are they? Yeah. What? Really? I think it's per capita. Huh. Okay. Well, I feel like we're going to pass them. We're processing more stuff. Well, I think that we had, we were number one at some point and they passed us in like the mid 2000s. Hmm. Which is wild to think. We're not even number one at that anymore. <laughs> I think we'll get there again. I think we will too. And I think we'll also cease to exist as the nation we currently know. That'd be wild. I don't know. Like, I don't think my day to day would change that much. What if things just kept going, kind of, and things became more communal, and the government just became obsolete? That could definitely happen. That's the future. That's technocracy will eventually rule us. Right. I, I definitely pressure. think Silicon Valley is more powerful than Washington. And I think that trend will continue. Like, they're creating universes in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. These are their own self-contained universes with like Jack Dorsey as their god. You know, God's way more powerful than a president. Yeah, and Jack Dorsey would be a pretty shitty god. I don't know. He's got some great views on eating. Seems like a huge pussy. 
does a lot of intermittent fasting. Does he? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's into all the trendy health experiments and hacks that Silicon Valley people are. But yeah. when he was questioned by Congress, he seemed completely full of shit. Their biggest concern is probably users and probably wealthy users. And so I think that they skew a certain way for monetary gain. Who? Twitter? To some extent. Social media Twitter, companies. Facebook, all social media. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know where it's headed. It doesn't seem good. Like, do you think it's so bad that they selectively censor people? No, I don't think it's inherently bad. But I think the inconsistency and lack of transparency with which they do it is bad. I think shadow banning is bad. And there are tons of subtle little hacky ways they manipulate well, I don't things think it's that inconsistent. you would never even think of. No, they're inconsistent between how they adhere to their policy based on political leanings. They claim to be apolitical, and they clearly lean one way politically when it comes to letting potential fake news fly. Oh, it's definitely political. They skew left, and they right. are trying to shift public opinion left. Exactly, and they're not, they claim to not be political. Okay, yeah. I guess because they're saying they're not. That's the issue. Well, yeah, and because I think for the social function they want to serve, you can really think of it as a utility. And thinking of it as a utility, it's not really their place. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think at this point, although I don't know which part of the internet's the utility, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're all the right I think thing. the social ones are the utility because we're social creatures and we're being told that we have to fucking stay indoors. Like... These are pretty essential things that people are inevitably going to use. Yeah, but isn't the problem that we're being told they're essential and they're actually not at oh, all? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But that's like a spiritual problem. I'm talking about the human problem that people are inevitably going to give in to this urge to socialize on these things. Yeah. But yeah, ideally people would be able to ignore it all and just live a good life. I feel like the other problem is there's not really a lot left to do on Earth. Like, there's not a lot of exploring left to do. <laughs> it's all in space. You're either going to make it to space or you're not going to be able to reach new frontiers, really. I think that there's a perception, probably an overarching perception, or an overarching sentiment of that, what you just said. But I don't think it's true. Why? I think there's just always stuff to do. It's just we haven't thought of it yet. Hmm. Maybe. Like I think I think we don't know what we don't know, right? Definitely we don't know what we don't know. So if some new information comes out and it radically changes everything, it's definitely possible. What's definitely possible? Like if an alien comes down or if we discover a like mini tiny planet in the Earth. You know, it's a bunch of crazy shit. Parallel universes, whatever. Like, those are a bunch of different avenues of things you could explore. Like, the DMT realm, right? Who's out here mapping that? Yeah, no, you're probably right. I mean, I do think that what was external in terms of exploring is probably going to be more internal. Like, that's what the new thing to explore. Although, that's just kind of a scam by, you know, stoners. and Definitely is used as that, but it's also true. And if it's done in the right way, I think it is important. Because, like, what's going to be important ultimately is to use psychedelics skillfully, to, like, have a good relationship with them. Like, we have to establish a blueprint for that. I do think it's crazy that there's, like, notable people that say they did 
acid one time and had these amazing insights. Like Steve Jobs, you know, he's like, I dropped oh. acid once and then I came up with an iPad or whatever. But like, do you really think he only dropped it once or did he just tell the media that because of, I don't know, just the general sentiment around it? Yeah, it definitely could have been that he was doing a lot more. It's at least today, it's, you know, everyone in Silicon Valley is doing a ton of psychedelics, it seems like. Yeah, and I'm curious as to whether that is legitimately more people are doing it or more people are talking about it. You think Tim Cook just does tons of psychedelics? Does like Abigail? Probably not. I don't know. There's definitely There definitely must be crowds of people running those companies who do. Oh, for sure. You know, there's like parties, psychedelics parties. <laughs> you go hang out in a mansion, you guys all do drugs and then blackmail each other later. I mean, there are worse things, but I think psychedelics can be like people who use them to party. I think it's kind of a shame. They can be a lot more. It depends on the party. Hmm. Depends on what you're doing at the party. I mean, I'm saying like a mystical experience when you're in a different dimension or where some crazy shit happens. There are things that are on the table if you're in the right space and off the table if you're partying. Well, like, again, it depends on the party. Like if the party is 10 people in a circle and then they do a psychedelic and then they have an orgy or whatever, <laughs> you know. That could both trigger a you know different state of consciousness that you would otherwise never be into because that's such a rare scenario, and um, just like social bonding on a totally different level. I mean, that's how, what the Rajneeshi seemed to think. That's how Charles Manson got those people to kill for him. Oh, did he do it too, Charles Manson? He'd give them all acid. He'd have them all fuck each other, and then he um, had them all go kill those celebrities. You know? Damn. The Rajneeshi were a lot more constructive with it, like in, in Osho's commune in Oregon. Yeah. But that was pretty wild stuff. So I know they took over the whole town. Did you watch Wild just, Wild Country? Yeah, they took over that whole town and they just kind of faded, right? They didn't just fade. They caused a lot of uproar. They did some crazy stuff. They kidnapped homeless people. Did they... they? Or they didn't kidnap homeless people, but they like got huge buses to find homeless people to get them into the town and get them to vote for them in the county to allow them to like continue mm -hmm. in, as the commune they were in the town. They ended up buying up the whole town they were next to, forcing the locals out, and then like trying to expand larger and larger. <laughs> That's pretty wild. And they like poisoned people. It, it was fucking nuts. Psychedelics, man. Real double-edged sword. I think you can hold them in a way so as to make them effective and minimize the negative edge. Yeah, I'm curious as to whether they'll ever be recreational or just decriminalized. Are you scared off of mushrooms now? No. I think the largest dose I've taken was an eighth. That's like a pretty standard mushroom dose. I'm surprised nothing too crazy happened. Nothing too crazy happened? Uh, I'm just the type of person that doesn't put weight into these types of experiences. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying, but you haven't had that many of them, so... 
Yeah, but I think you get out what you want to get out. I think you go into it with a certain mindset, hoping to gain something. And I, you know, I go into it with no mindset of hoping to gain anything. And I don't gain anything. Or maybe I do. And I just am unaware of it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much a mindset of wanting to gain something as it's like intention. Like, why are you using it? If you're just using it for shits and giggles, then like they might even be an overall negative. So like I have to come into it with like an internal struggle I'm having? No, not necessarily a struggle. Like it could just be you like want to see something cool. I mean, I've had visual hallucinations. Yeah. You know, they're pretty cool. I enjoyed them. But I definitely, before taking any, I was very materialistic and I became slightly less materialistic. Because I do buy into reality being very, very malleable. You know, because of how easy it is to visually hallucinate just based on ingesting something. Right. And the cool thing about hallucinations is that you don't feel out. I mean, you know you're out of it because you know what you're doing, but you don't feel out of it. It feels completely natural in the moment. I mean, I think, yeah, people feel they also get more in touch with the true self rather than the personality or the ego or who you pretend you are. They might feel more themselves even though the state is altered. I feel like I find nothing in that sense. In the sense of connecting with yourself? Like there is no true self. Yeah, I mean, so true self versus no self is basically just like two sides of the same coin. It's like Vedantic and yogic traditions versus Buddhism. You could look at it one way or the other. I think the important thing is you're not the personality, the ego, what your mind creates, and you can tune into something else. You might not even be your mind creating things. You could just be receiving things. Right. I mean, the mind could just be receiving consciousness. Consciousness right. could be the fundamental thing. Right. I don't know. I think we got a lot of stuff, probably. I think so, too. Probably too much stuff. 